0: This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things which absolutely shouldn't have. I'm your host, Tanishka Sodhi and joining me in the studio today is my colleague, Shiv Narayan Rajparohit. Hi Shiv, how are you doing?
1: Hi man, I'm, I'm brilliant.
0: Okay, So Shiv spent most of yesterday outside the BBC office in Delhi where income tax surveys had been going on all day. The surveys come soon after a documentary by the BBC critical of the Prime Minister was released and soon banned in India. And joining us through Zoom is Shrishti Jaiswal, a freelance award-winning journalist whose reports have been published in organisations such as Vice, Al Jazeera and Caravan. Over the last nine months, Srishti has been working with the international organization Forbidden Stories on Story Killer, which is an investigation into Gauri Lankesh's murder and the global disinformation for higher market. Hi Srishti, thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me here.
0: How are you doing and what is it like working for a story for, I think, nine months?
2: Um, I would say it's more like um, waves. Like someday you feel like, oh my God, we've got so interesting leads. And then the other day you feel like these leads are not, you know, the, you can't really explore and you've hit a wall. So it's really like up and down, up and down. So yeah it's it's something I would
0: say <laughs> so the investigation has been done in collaboration with hundred journalists across thirty media organizations across the world. and the first report in the series was published yesterday um after I believe nine months, correct?
2: Yeah, so I think Forbidden Stories envisioned this project even before the Pegasus relevations were brought to force. okay. Um, and the credit goes to Phineas. I think it was his uh, idea to look into the work and legacy of Gorilankesh.
0: Right. And you have reported uh, across cities for this report.
2: So I have been to Bangalore along with him when he came to India. Then uh, I was in Paris when we presented these leads to our international uh, partners then subsequently i freelanced with them in berlin and new Delhi.
0: wow so worldwide investigation for you personally and for the report overall
2: <laughs> yeah i would say that it's actually truly a global investigation to be honest yeah because um the leads are not just limited to india but uh, there are very, very strong leads when it comes to Israel. Like today, one of the lead about Team George was released by Forbidden Stories. And then a couple of more interesting leads are supposed to come, which uh, really take this investigation, which starts from the heart of Bangalore um, International.
0: Wow. So, uh, the investigation, I think uh, one of the major insights from what I read in the story, um, some the most new aspect was the video, Gauri Lankesh's 2012 video, which has been linked uh, to her eventual murder. Could you tell us a little about the video, what Gauri is speaking in it and the links that it has with her murder?
2: Um, I think it, this video is a very great example to understand how Hindu far-right really functions in India. So Gauri Lankesh in 2012 had given a lecture or or speech in Mangalore. And in that speech, she was actually asking about ethos of Hinduism. But one of the statements was, I think, around how Hinduism doesn't have a mother and father. And only that particular statement was cropped out of her entire speech and uh, uploaded on YouTube with the title, Why I Hate Secularism. And uh, it was shown in such a light which portrayed that Gauri was insulting Hindu religion. So it was without context, actually a piece of misinformation. And this one particular video, according to multiple interviews that we conducted with police sources, as well as a lot of ground reporting, we found this one video was shown to her assassins to finally brainwash them. This was like cake on the uh, cherry on the top of a cake or the final nail in the coffin, that this one video was actually made like a justification why they should kill Gauri why she deserves to be killed. So this brainwashing aspect, it has also been covered in the charge sheet uh, by police, a thorough investigation by them. Um, so this was very interesting and we wanted to look into how far this particular video was spread. And our investigation showed that it was really spread a lot on Facebook okay, and uh, then also a bit on Twitter, but mostly on Facebook. And then it had over a hundred, uh, couple of million uh, views including likes, comments, shares and now today this particular video has been removed but again it has been uploaded again, removed again, uploaded again with this one title which is called Why I Hate Secularism in India and it was also shared extensively when Gauri died again to just show certain light that she is a Hindu hater and so that her murder can be justified.
0: So the character assassination happened before her murder and continued well after the murder as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the thing is that this particular video does not really tells what she wanted to convey. It's just one line of this entire speech. So essentially, this is misinformation. This is not complete truth. This is half truth. And uh, but the way it is portrayed shows her in very bad light. Shows her like she deserves. She has insulted. Hinduism, which absolutely is a wrong notion to portray and that led to a lot of viewpoints like we show it in our article itself that how one of the person who replied to that video on Facebook said hang them so it's provoking people and that provo- provocation is done very well through this video.
0: And I as I was reading in the article in 2014, even BJP Karnataka shared the video saying that the next time such a speech is made, a fitting legal reply will be given. So it was not just fringe elements who were sharing the video and um, promoting a particular narrative, right?
2: I would say so. Again, um, in the article, we explain how these fringe elements tend to become more and more and more radicalized. Like, uh, I think there's a very good statement given by Mr. georgic Pal, who is um, at the Michigan uh, in the States. Uh, one of the very interesting things that he says is that initially these fringe organizations can be disowned by the mainstream organizations such as BJP. Right which gives the fringe organizations power to go overboard and, you know, go beyond that particular narrative, which might be called journalism. You know, it's like, it's, I don't think so, like, we can call it journalism, what they did. But since they they not only suggest fake news, they just go beyond that. And it really gives a very, um, unfortunately, in a country where digital penetration is a lot, but digital literacy is, is very less people are not able to identify the difference between the fake news and the propaganda that is spread across using right. these right. websites. And that gives a lot of power to them because people believe it's true. And uh, and this is what this particular case studies also show. And when it comes to BJP, BJP Karnataka, I rang them and I asked them, I repeated this question multiple times and they just disconnected the call after listening to this question. So there is no answerability.
0: And the report is so um, beautiful, you know, because it's not just an investigation, it's also a profile into Gauri Lankesh, the kind of work she did, the kind of things that she believed in. And it tells us about um, not just what happened on the day, but also what could have the day that she was murdered. You know, that particular line about how if things were different, she could have maybe gone home and watched um, This Is Us with her sister. Uh, So it's a very good yeah, mixture of all elements. So I really recommend everyone reads it and moving on to Shiv's story. Shiv, so you spent how many hours yesterday outside the BBC office and uh, can you tell us what exactly happened because there are a lot of narratives that are going around.
1: I went with Ashwin. Uh, we reached there around 1 o'clock so and we left by 8 o'clock because I had to file the story. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we were there for 7-8 hours and by the time we left the survey was going on. Right. Today also, the survey is still on.
0: So, what exactly is the survey? What have you found by speaking to officials, speaking to employees? Uh, why is the survey happening? What is the official reason being given?
1: So, the government of India uh, issued an unofficial note saying that there are two key allegations that they are investigating. One is uh, transfer pricing rule. Another one is diversion of profits. So, these are two key allegations that they mentioned in the note. And when the survey started, you must have seen the video how one IT um, um, IT official, right. how he was talking to BBC employees and where he's saying that why uh, the gate, the gates were not open for 10 minutes. Yeah. So that's how it started. Seen that was a little the
0: aggressive behavior. I'm not sure if that is on. Yeah. Coast. So I
1: spoke uh, with one of the BBC employees and I asked him how employees reacted to um, um, these IT officials because there were two dozen IT officials Right. Um, at BBC office, which is located at KG Mark in Central Delhi. So, um, that's Hindustan Time House, 17-story building where BBC occupies fifth and sixth floor. So, the tax officials, they first went to the sixth floor where where accounts team sits. So, they were looking into the financial transactions. And and
0: this uh, press note, which hmm. I believe came from the government, is it?
1: No the press note came from BBC, uh, okay, no,
0: the note that spoke about what exactly is the income tax survey um, yeah,
1: yeah, so so they they they
0: came from the sources that's exactly what I wanted to ask why a lot of journalists were using that by saying that sources said this when very clearly we have found that it is not sources, but uh, I mean we can but put... it's
1: the yeah. <laughs> So, we, we wrote that it was an official statement from the government. Right. Because it did not come straight away from the IT department. Okay. So...
0: But they wanted uh, to make sure there is some...
1: Um... Some semblance because in the sense, because when it started, I think uh, some right-wing channels they were showing, they were... I don't know whether they aired their, the footage of reporters who were there at the time hmm. because I heard some of them saying that uh, maybe BBC was behind... Uh, Fund, BBC was funded by some NGOs who yeah. are inimical, who are inimical to India, or right. uh, or maybe anti-India corporates. They got funded, uh, right. so maybe to cull the this speculation, I think government issued an official statement saying this is what we are investigating.
0: Right. Okay. So Shiv, what was the atmosphere like outside the BBC office? How many journalists were there? Um, were there a lot of narratives that were being built by the media, also especially television media?
1: Hmm uh television media they was uh, uh uh they were saying what the what the what the government has what the i mean similar to the government statement right but um there were some right wing channels they were saying that uh, bbc is funded by these many ngos i think or... i
0: saw some china relation also somewhere <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah see, I, I don't know how they were connecting dots yeah. that was beyond my comprehension <laughs> Uh, but coming back to the statement where you asked uh, why the government is calling it uh, survey, not uh, RAID. Hmm. So, according to the government, survey is like preliminary inquiry. Hmm. They won't seize anything. They might clone the the digital data you have or they think that this data is maybe useful for us. Right. Then they won't be any seizure. So, that's a preliminary inquiry to look into the allegations. Right. Then the Second stage would be RAID. So that's how the government is saying it's not RAID, it's survey.
0: And how have international um, governments reacted? Has there been any statement?
1: Uh, mm, As far as I know, the UK government hasn't issued any statement. But the US government uh, saying that we are aware of this uh, BBC RAID. Right. And saying that, um, um, I mean, I think the statement came from um, State Department spokesperson Ned Price. Right. So he said, "I would need to refer to Indian authorities for the details of this search." Uh, but he's saying, "I'm not giving any value judgment value judgment to the to the raid."
0: Right, because it is being seen um, hmm. globally, at least across newspaper editorials, hmm. as a, a crackdown on the press in India. Correct.
1: Hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, but at uh, the same, I also read, uh, I think Washington Post reporter, he commented on what the US on US government's reaction, hmm. saying that if the raids were happening in China, or say, in any Arab, Arab any other Arab country, right. the reaction of US would have been different. <laughs> but now US is slightly, I mean, it's not as aggressive as it should have been. Right. The raid is going on in BBC. Today is the second day. So very muted reaction from the US government.
0: Right. What about you, Srishti? What do you see these uh, surveys as? I would say one of the most interesting things is that
2: um, I hope that they know that BBC India did not produce that documentary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it actually was from international division, which will be really unimpacted by this so-called raid yeah. slash survey, yeah. whatever suits them. So, and uh, also it's like unnecessary harassment, Um, and I think I was discussing this with a friend yesterday, Uh, often when it happens uh, with the organizations such as BBC or a couple of other organizations, we get to know about this so-called raid slash survey, Um, but many times individuals are also targeted by income tax officials and i was just hearing account of a friend yesterday who was targeted by income tax officials and they said that i've never the official told that person that he has never come to anybody who hasn't made a big less than crores or something like that and this guy had only 30000 something rupees in his bank and he was like you know why i'm here <laughs> so just get in line Right. (laughs) and uh, then he got so scared that he didn't tell anybody about it and so I would say that a lot of individuals are being harassed by this yeah this is nothing this sheer harassment and although I don't understand how they will end up harassing BBC because the revenues are of course not coming from India and then you know it's an international organization very difficult to force them to bow down yeah in, in comparison to other Indian organizations but um and it's also kind of really surprising that government of India took this step on the heels of G20. It will be talked about internationally. The thing has already reached like uh, reporters are asking questions to um, UK government, US government, and UK government has also said I think that they are closely monitoring the situation as of now. Okay. Um, I think it's. It's actually a very worrying sign that they don't even spare BBC. Another interesting thing that I was looking into was that even during Indira Gandhi's time, when BBC made such uh, documentaries, it was banned. So it's not just Mr. Modi, but it's also our previous dictatorial prime ministers who have the tendency of going after press. And I
0: think, I mean, this government in particular has not been shy of expressing their um, thoughts on international organizations and how there mm. is a narrative according to them to defame India right and uh, defame India's reputation that is something that keeps coming up like even when uh, the COVID second wave was uh, happening and international organizations like New York Times gave a lot of coverage to um, the scale of COVID deaths uh, the government really shot back and I believe yesterday also there was a BJP presser about this correct? Mm,
1: Gauru Bhatia's press Right,
0: right. What is the summary of what he said and what he said by not saying?
1: <laughs> so uh, I think um uh, Sumeda did a story on Gorubhatiya's right. pese, like and she and Goru said that Holi uh, like uh, BBC's articles on Holi were distasteful <laughs> and then he said that the BBC has said something against Gandhi also. I was okay. surprised that BJP's Coming in support of Mahatma Gandhi. Yeah, yeah. that was surprising. <laughs> and uh, but Indian Express editorial is very telling in itself. Where whenever, whenever there is IT raid or ED raid, hmm. whichever organisation is in line of fire, the BJP stock reply is like, let the truth come out if raid is happening. But then, um, I mean, the Indian Express editorial says that this question is loaded at a time when the IPC is being weaponized at the drop of police complaint or an F.I.R., be it in the case of stand up comic or a professor's cartoon. (laughs) So, so going after so many people and saying that, let the truth come out. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, this raid of course, should be seen in the context of the documentary that was released by BBC. Yeah, yeah. I think if they would
0: have given at least a few months gap (laughs) before mm -hmm. the survey, Mm -hmm. uh, it wouldn't have at least been this obvious, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. true. It's the chronology, you know.
0: Chronology, samjho. Correct, correct. (laughs) So moving on um, from one story to a story about story killers, um, Shishti, I'd love to hear more about Postcard News, how you got into this lead and what you have discovered about Postcard News and its relation uh, to Gauri Lankesh's murder. And also, what your have you come across this organization uh, in the past, you know, in your time reporting? Is it a popular organization or is it something that is only only pops up when a particular kind of news is doing the rounds?
2: Um, so Postcard News is a very prominent organization. It has been previously reported a lot, like how it spreads fake news across spectrums. And a lot of good work has been done on this by Alt News. Okay. And um, it is around the time when Gauri was alive. And around that time only, I think Alt News was producing more and more information about how it is one of the first fake news organizations in India, to be honest. Wow,
0: that's quite an um, honor.
2: <laughs> yeah, but having said that, you know, because it's so regional, so we don't hear about it in Delhi. It, it mostly spreads its work in Kannada, is based out of Bangalore. So it's it's highly regional, um, centralized, uh, a Bangalore centralized organization. Right. Uh, the reason that we looked into post podcast news was because Gauri Lankesh mentioned it in her last editorial which actually never got to print before you know she was shot dead before that. Um, So uh, the forbidden stories uh, motive is to pursue the work of journalists who have been killed, threatened and assassinated Um, and that is why they wanted to pursue the work of Gauri. When we were there on ground we got to know like how much fake news impacted Gauri because she in her by own by her own admission, she said that she has also fallen prey to fake news. Um yeah, I think her last like,
0: editorial was also yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. she
2: was concerned, she was severely concerned because she felt like if I can really fall go prey to, them, to it, okay, other people. And then she really foresee at the time fake news was not really identified a lot. She was one of the first people to really talk about it. And um So we really felt like, you know, we should investigate her work. Right. Initially, we started looking into the founder of uh, Postcard News, Mr. Mahesh Vikram Hegre. Hmm. Uh, He had founded this with two other people. So I started looking into him a little bit more. There were a couple of um, cases registered against him, legal cases, um, which were also looked in by my colleague Oishika Nyogi. Um eventually when I was looking through his financial papers and trying to find out actually by which name Postcard News is registered so that I can get the financial documents of Postcard News. But unfortunately, there was no entity registered as Postcard News okay. and there was no legal name for that. I couldn't find any documents. So I started digging in more. I was like, how is this possible from where the money is coming in? And uh, what exactly is happening over there. Uh, And then I looked into the financial records of Mahesh Vikram Hegre and I found that he has recently um, started two new companies, which on paper are actually sporting companies, sporting and recreation companies. But... In reality, they are mostly PR firms. One of the firm actually has no existence online and offline. I also tried to look into this. It has never been discussed by Hegre himself or anybody. The second one, Vice Index Media Private Limited, um, had two more founders, Mr. Uh, Belarus Darshana and Shrikant Kote. Uh, So Belarus Sudarshanar seems to be a very interesting person because he is currently advisor on special duty to current chief minister of Karnataka for e-governance. So he is working so closely with current politician, BJP politician who has been at the helm of affairs in Karnataka. And then this particular person also holds uh, additional director position in Vice Index Media along with Hegre. Okay. So this particular link actually was quite evident to show that how these two are related to each other. So we wanted to explore this more. So we Hmm. got all the financial records and everything we looked into background of Mr. Sudarshana. We looked into background of Mr. Hager. We also reached out to them multiple times so that we can accurately represent the viewpoints in our story. Uh, Mr. Sudarshana didn't want to comment. Mr. Hay hey told me that he's not interested and I think he wrote a text message to Phineas saying, send me more jokes. And uh, Mr. Kote spoke with us. We, act, uh, we represented his views in the story itself. Um, and a lot more details are actually revealed in the story that how it all happens. So this particular story reveals that how postcard news is actually, um, you know, weaving these particular... PR strategies, so-called PR strategies, using the Vice Index Media Limited, we were not able to really explain what's the relationship between both of them, but uh, the about a section at Vice Index Media really links to postcard news. So this is something which is actually very interesting to know, that if there are two separate entities, two separate organizations, why would they have similar Facebook pages or similar Twitter pages? Hmm. So... um, even that points out us to the relationship between them, right? And we wanted to look into this uh, with the perspective because Gauri wanted this to really be investigated more.
0: Yeah, and uh, so the story Shishti, also speaks about the target, um, the targeting of Gauri Lankesh online, the kind of harassment uh, she was receiving to the point that she even had to install CCTV cameras outside her house. Correct.
2: So actually, Gauri was a very feisty person. She, did, she took it all with a pinch of salt. I was speaking with a couple of more people today. Yeah. I was speaking with journalist Gita Seshu, who runs Free Speech Collective. Um, and I think a year before Gauri's death, she spoke with her. And um, Gauri told her that, you know, I am in some sort of list, you know. I am fourth on that list, but I'm the first woman. And she laughed it off. And Geeta was calling her for some other story, uh, I think after some other assassination. And then, you know, Geeta told me about this today and I was like really shocked. Similarly, I was talking with other women journalists based in South India. And they were also saying that how... So Gauri was a very strong woman. And she, I would say that even though they wanted to harass her, she was not harassed. And she was very strong. She installed that CCTV camera because people around her were worried for her she was not worried for herself.
0: Yeah. But, and, uh, um, you know, this sort of harassment, targeted harassment online, especially on women journalists, do you think we trivialize it in a way and don't take it seriously enough until, um, you know, it reaches a point of where it you have to I address it?
2: So. I think so. It's very unfortunate, you know. Um, often people use this word called victim card. What is this victim card word? You know, it's like, why can't we have a civil discussion? If you, if you disagree with me, if you disagree with my findings as a reporter, you have ethical questions about my conduct or something like that, talk to me. Talk to me in a civil way. Don't abuse me. Don't give me rape threats, death threats. And then if I say anything against that, they say she's playing a victim card. And this is with everyone. Um, unfortunately, so many people have gone through this trolling now that it's so normalized that we don't talk about it anymore. Right. The harassment of the scale happening at a level of public shaming, online public shaming, which actually translates to offline persecution. Exactly. Of everyday like individual. I think this
0: is evidence of that happening, you know, from online to actually physical harassment. So just yeah. trivializing it at that stage um, really...
2: People really don't recognize that, you know, all these threats which come online can actually also translate offline. So before Gauri was told, Gauri was threatened that she will be assassinated one day and she was. And it's a big thing. People still, even after Gauri's death, don't take it as seriously as they should. Yeah. And it's very unfortunate.
0: And why do you think, Shishti? I mean... Um, stories like this, I mean, incidents like this, which are huge, you know, there is there was a very clear trail, um, a connection between her work and her murder. Why, why do we forget it? Like public memories unable to really hold on to these incidents and have like a sustained protest, a sustained investigation, even as journalists. Um, we don't follow up on these things as much as we should, right? Is it because there is so much happening that we are just rushing from one news cycle to another?
2: I would say so. I think that's the very nature of news. It's the commercialization of news where you focus more on what's going to sell than what's really important. And it's really unfortunate because sometimes, you know, the things that really deserves the attention are not really spoken a lot about. So I, I feel like, Maybe, you know, we need to take a step back and see what are the real five W's and one H, how to really go about that. And then what are the things that we really should talk about? I think um, particularly incidents like this, for instance, you know, even Gauri Lankesh's case is really spoken a lot about. Recently, a journalist was killed in Maharashtra. Nobody's really speaking about him. Nobody is really pursuing his work or, you know, going after him or trying to console his family or asking for some sort of justice. Yeah. And um, soon people will even forget his name. And I particularly feel that something that we as journalists, at least our kin person should not be, you know, just forgotten so easily. It's a, if a one, if one journalist is killed, it's a threat to every other journalist.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And I think uh, this Maharashtra journalist, Shashikand Varishe, I did a report last week speaking to his family and friends. Um, after his death, journalists really, uh, at least in Maharashtra, stepped up. There were protests all, all across the state, after which there had to be interventions. You know, the government announced a certain amount of financial aid and said that there will be a SIT probe into it. But like you said, it's not enough because um, eventually you know, this will also leave our memory and other journalists will be murdered soon and I think like, like, story you killers know, how many
2: killers... professions are there where just yeah. for doing your job you're murdered? Yeah. Is a doctor murdered for doing his job? A teacher murdered for doing their job? Why is a journalist murdered for doing their job? Yeah. So I think we really need to explore this question and also need to establish the fact that journalism is the fourth pillar of democracy. We don't give Correct. it enough due, enough credit that we should. Yeah. And... Unfortunately, yes, it's being misused today by large volume of mainstream media. But having said that, you know, the people who are working on ground, the vernacular journalists, they really need help and some sort of recognition, some sort of law to really protect them. We are protected under fundamental rights under the Constitution of India, but there is no special law to safeguard journalists, despite the fact that India is one of the gravest, difficult countries to really work for in journalism. Um, I feel like that is... I just feel like uh, people say that under the lamp, there is darkness. I believe that's really a right thing to say for journalists and journalism. Um, We tend to show the plight of other profession, labor and other things. But I think we also need to talk about ourselves.
0: Definitely. And lastly, Shashi, I want to ask you... um, What was it like working for nine months on a story? I mean, do you only work on this story then? Or are you able to really tune out and then tune back in? Because this is again, not a simple story, you know, there are so many dots that have to be linked. So how do you do that? (laughs) Because if a story is more than two weeks, I already have to really focus to, you know, get into that zone.
2: (laughs) So actually, the thing is that for stories like this, I think patience is the key. (laughs) And uh, because it takes time to get documents, it takes time to read those documents, it takes time to develop sources, it takes time to really check the investigation, trial, legal status of the things that's happening, so all in all it's a good labor with a lot of patience. So it's not really possible to do these stories very quickly. Yeah. Having said that, I did work on some other stuff along with it. So one of the reports that I did when I was in Berlin was about Ghar Tiranga uh, scheme that how nearly millions of Indians had geotagged themselves and willingly revealed their information to Indian government, which was eventually shared with a private entity. Um, that was for the rest of okay, the world, right? You, uh, sorry, rest, I that was on you. rest
0: of the world, right? If I'm not mistaken. The rest of the yeah. world,
2: Then I'm also working on my book right now. So I was writing that book. I was also going through a digital security training along with that, because while working on such investigations, there's a very high chance that um, you know, you will be snooped and uh when I was in Berlin, actually, first week of reaching the Berlin, first week of reaching Berlin, there was an attempt on my phone, which was actually intercepted by Reporters Without Borders' um, digital security lab. It was an unsuccessful attempt of hacking my phone. But again, such things really scare you, and then you need to take a step back and then see, okay, what's at stake here, because also your work life, personal life. So all in all. Um, it takes time to really produce stories like that. Then also, there's collaboration. There are multiple stories which are coming in together. So all of I, I would really say that the collaboration aspect is not easy um, because there are time difference. There's like work difference. Then sometimes you know there are reporters who are on beat. Then they are given a new assignment. This that. So sometimes it's become difficult, but I, I believe that Forbidden Stories has done a great job in coordination. Yeah. And um, over months, they've really looked into this quite extensively. So kudos to them as well. And um, But having said that, I think there's more to explore as well.
0: Definitely, and I hope other organizations take the lead and continue to do such investigations. Shiv, do you have any questions for Shishri? Have you gotten a chance to read the uh, rather long but amazing story yet?
1: <laughs> no, I, I I'll read it. Uh, but I have one question regarding freelance journalism. Uh, I mean, the how? What is the main difference? Like for for journalists working in newspaper or say news only small team hmm. but then newspapers you have beats right right and like every day you have to file some maybe a couple of stories like how is freelance journalism different from is, that I like how worked, many or... do you have any set target like you want to file these many stories or like you know people yeah, I so have a <laughs> target you're
0: gonna
2: disappoint yourself huh. <laughs>
0: But I no, think Shishri has worked for a newspaper also. Yeah. So, you journalism can... I
2: would say is a luck based journalism, to be honest. <laughs> I'm so sorry for using this word. It's like right place at the right time. Mm. You get the scoop, you get the editor who is willing to run the story. Mm. Uh, so, I think it's, it's like really, but efforts is something which I feel you really need to put in. So, efforts really show everywhere, whether you are in an organization working full time mm. or if you are a freelancer. Um, freelance really works for me because I have a fear of organizations, to be honest. I don't have a very good history um, of working in toxic hmm. newsrooms. Hmm. So I particularly feel freelance is good for me because it gives me flexibility, freedom to pursue the stories that I want, work with the people who inspire me, work with the people who can actually, Give me space to grow instead of, you know, really putting rules and regulations on me and then just, you know.
1: How is looking. how is freelance journalism financially viable? Is it viable financially or?
2: So, like I said, it's really luck based. Some days it's quite good, I would say. Some days it's like zero. It's literally zero. I live with my parents and uh, luckily I don't have living expenses so I can take care of like they can take care of me the days (laughs) I don't make any money and it's really embarrassing to say that I'm a 27 year old girl with
0: (laughs) (laughs) not at all (laughs) but you've been doing good stories in India you know freelance
2: journalism unfortunately if you want to write for an publication that pays so less like one of the prominent Indian publication pays only 3000 rupees for 2000 word story. How are you gonna make your ends meet? Yeah, how
0: do you, you even report in that much when stories are of a larger scale? And, and even is... if
1: they are accept, accepting peace from freelance journalists, that story has I, to be exclusive, like a lot of effort goes yeah. into it. So it's not like I,
2: that. I think it's a choice, you know. Honestly, yeah, true. for me, um, I would say that you know, honestly, I feel journalists, young journalists in India, really getting their fuel from their own passion.
1: Hmm.
2: It's not the money, which is a reinforcer for them. It's not the fame, maybe for some it is, but I think the passion to really report, the passion to create a difference, the passion that journalism brings in, young freelance journalists or even young journalists who are working in newsrooms are actually getting their energy from their own passion. And unfortunately, one day this passion will... Dry and then it will turn into a big burnout. So we need to address this issue. And it's a request, a humble request to senior journalists who are there in the industry. If anybody is listening to this
0: podcast, <laughs> Hello, can you hear us? You really need
2: to <laughs> step up and more. then help us because we are doing this, we want to do this. Yeah. And mm. just I know so many journalists who have left journalism because they're burnt out. Mm. And they've been using the passion so much to fuel themselves. Hmm. And passion dries out. It's not like a forever stream of a good emotion that comes to you. And in a difficult profession where you cover rapes, murders, um, horrific communal violence, I think we really need to be sensitive towards needs of... um, young journalists and also give them some sort of guidance yeah
0: definitely and with this we'll move on to the recommendation section of the podcast so Shishri, let's start with you do you have any article show movie book that you would like to recommend to our listeners
2: so yeah I would say read all about love by bell hooks actually uh, Phineas Rukert who is my colleague introduced me to that book so I got it for myself and I've been reading it and it's brilliant it's actually every... what I'm
0: reading right now too, uh, since one, two months, because I can't finish it, but it's truly, I completely agree with you.
2: <laughs> so Every woman must read it and every man must, must, must read it. Yeah. It's, it's really important to understand
0: the love language. Shiv, you're picking it up today, okay? <laughs> what about you? What would you like to recommend?
1: Yeah, my recommendation is uh, The Truth Pill. Uh, I've been wanting to read this book and uh, this book is about um, about the drug leg- regulation in india right and i think uh, this book should be the primer for medical students to understand what are the laws and what are the regulations hmm. how drugs are approved how so they are This is approved.
0: by Dinesh Thakur, Dinesh Thakur and
1: uh, Prashant Reddy Prashant Reddy
0: okay I would also like to recommend a book. Um, Sounds like we are all great intellects, but (laughs) maybe just that time of the year. Uh, I'd like to recommend P. Sainad's The Last Heroes, Foot Soldiers of Indian Freedom. It's a very interesting book, uh, a different perspective on freedom fighters. And it uh, really highlights the contribution of ordinary people to India's freedom struggle and why we don't talk about them enough. That is the book also goes into that. So uh, it's a great read. Like uh, all of Sainat's uh, work. So I would recommend this book.
2: I would also say it's on my
0: list. Yeah. And with that, this podcast is adjourned.
2: All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform.
1: Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent.